1: Accelerating your your fandom, fandom. this This is Flash TV TV Talk. Talk.
2: Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW
3: show, The Flash. I'm Bo, and I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? I am doing uh, spooktacular. Ooh, trick or treat, Bell! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween to you as
2: well, my friend. Oh man, it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. Of course, um, man. I you know I, I think we had need to address this. Normally, every single week on Tuesday night, when we're all getting hyped and watching The Flash together, it is a it's a communal aspect. It's, it's a communal thing that we all do. However. Flash TV talks Twitter handle let you down this week. And I you know the blame doesn't need to necessarily fall anywhere in particular, but I will put it and I hate this cuz I'm actually I'm friends with our mayor here in in our local city, but he made he made a bad call last night, man. He told all the kids to trick or treat the day before Halloween, which meant that we had to pass out candy, take the kids out and everything on Tuesday as opposed to tonight. However, that was all based on weather. The weather didn't change, so now bell we've got two Halloweens this week here in Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Jack Skellington would be proud. T- he would be, wouldn't he? That's uh, yeah. that's true. And the kids are loving this. They, this means double candy for them. But it, it hits me twice as hard because I wasn't able to live tweet last night because I wasn't able to tune into the show last night. And tonight, we're on a very tight, tight time frame so I can make it back uh, make it back home in enough time to take the kids out for trick-or-treating and, and be there to pass <laughs> out the candy. But uh, one way or the other, happy Halloween to you and yours, wherever you may be. Uh, when this uh, when this podcast goes out, Bell, you ready to uh, to talk some flash? Let's do it. Let's jump into the rundown. The, the rundown.
1: rundown.
2: Episode four of season five. News
3: flash. Directed by Brent Crowell. And story by Kelly Wheeler and Lauren Certo. Bell, what happened this episode? Well, Barry and Iris face the ultimate parenting test when Team Flash battles spin, a savvy millennial armed with tech and a dangerous agenda for their daughter, Nora. Meanwhile, Ralph is feeling defeated until an unlikely source issues a challenge to help boost his confidence.
2: I would agree that the word that the uh, what was it? what was the word you used? The the uh, ultimate parenting test? Yes, Yes. ultimate parenting test. The ultimate parenting test is indeed when your child starts dating. I agree with that. I agree 100% with that. I'm not even there yet, but I know that that will be the ultimate... Uh, uh, parenting test. Bell, man, okay, so a lot of stuff going on. We got some big reveals in this episode, and uh, structurally, this is probably one of my favorite episodes that we've had. Uh, I, I can't even say that we've had in a long time because, honestly, this season has been hitting it out of the park every single episode, and this one is is no different. I've enjoyed this one. I've enjoyed everything that's come before it, but they did something kind of interesting with the structure here. I'll get into that later. Let's first talk about the Flash family. I'm not talking about Jay. I'm not talking about Wally. I'm talking specifically about Barry Iris and Nora we learned this episode a secret Bell
3: Iris cannot cook pancakes she can't cook breakfast she can she can barely cook bananas it's like bro do you even breakfast <laughs> team breakfast over here man that must have crushed you you breakfast this I'm telling you man like I'm, I'm I'm team breakfast
2: all the way so I respect the effort I will say this like team breakfast respects the effort even if the quality isn't good you tried and we're here for that and she did say she would make him a banana
3: Yes. And I think that's the best way I, (laughs) that's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, I wonder if that's something that came out in rehearsals and they stuck with it because that's something that my, that my mom says. And I wonder if that's like something she picked up during her time in Mississippi. I don't know, but like make, make you a banana. I just thought it was great. Like, I mean, it's, that's a Southern, that's a Southern colloquialism. Is it not? It could be. It, It very well could be. I will say that, that I loved seeing
2: them as a family unit. Um, you know, Nora's been living with them and, you know, sitting down at the table, the breakfast table. This is a very family domestic moment that we see uh, amongst the three of them. And we've seen more of that this last best episode as well. But, I, you know, we we get to dive in a little bit more into the tension of what exists in their family. And I got to tell you, man, I, this season and, and these characters in particular... Have really been hitting home with me on a lot of different levels, on some parenting levels of from both sides of that, uh, you know, the dynamic in terms of dealing with frustrations with perhaps uh, your own parents, or, or perhaps dealing with the frustrations of having kids, and you know, having to navigate those uh, those unique relationships. This one this one continues to be something that I have found so many points of relevance for for me personally that that it's hard for me not to love every single moment that these three are on screen.
3: Yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a fun ride, right? Because you know, you get to see the whole uh you know Barry uh being idolized by her daughter and Iris being villainized by her daughter. And it's it's one of those, you know, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic, and it happens in a lot of families where one parent is the, the cool parent and you know the other parents the strict parent, and yeah. it, it <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic, and uh, they're doing a really good job playing it out. Well, all
2: right, I, I don't want to stretch this out. Let's go ahead and talk about it because the the reveal in terms of the, the vilified nature of why Nora sees Iris in the way that she does is we find out that she put an inhibitor chip inside of her that actually you know kept her powers from manifesting. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a fantastic reveal because I totally see where Nora is coming from. And even though we haven't quite gotten the official understanding of why she made the decision... I also can see where Iris was coming from when she potentially made that decision. And on top of that, we've got Barry now put in the scenario where his daughter has been looking up to him like crazy, like she's bonding with him. And he sides with his wife, with her mother. And so now she feels betrayed by him. There's so many different complex emotions that are going on with this. But I think every single one of these characters come to the table with a valid reason for feeling the way they do, with a valid reason for for making the decisions they've made.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things where you can tell that Nora thought that clearly Barry was going to side with her and be like, why would you do this? But Barry is a parent. You know, and like that's that's the parent decision, I think. Uh, And and yes, we don't know the motivations behind it yet, but uh, I could. Yeah, it it totally makes sense for Barry to side with Iris on that. Well, and, And,
2: and, you know, barring something like abuse or something like that, I mean, you know, part of solid parenting is to have a unified front. Right. You're going to you're going to defer to, to your wife, to your husband when it comes to these these decisions, if especially in this instance where Barry is. Like, without knowing the details, he's like, look, I love and trust Iris. I know what kind of mom she's going to be. You know, that that seems like a harsh decision. I don't know why she would have made that, but I trust that she had the right reason for it. And, you know, because Barry likely, we don't know this this necessarily yet to be the case, but I think we can go ahead and presume that Barry was not alive when that decision was made. You know what I mean? So yes. It's validating your spouse's decision, validating, uh, you know, your partner's decision when you know when you would not have been there at the time to be there it's it, it, it's good man it, it's a good strong <laughs> it, it as much as we're seeing kind of this uh, uh destruction of what the family unit could be we're actually seeing a very strong structure of what the family unit is you know what i mean
3: yeah yeah i can see that uh they're kind of giving their their interpretation of it and and uh we're getting to see that in a superhero context which is neat
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, all right. So, I mean, let's, let's, let's do uh, some, some mini speculation here with Iris. Why why do you think it is, Bell? What what do you think the reasoning is? Because we never quite got a clear answer as to why Iris would do something like that to, uh, to Nora.
3: So my guess was, I, I think you're right in that Barry wasn't alive when the decision was made. Um, my guess is that in their timeline, they never caught cicada. And Cicada Ooh. was a serial killer of metahumans. And so Iris did that so that she wouldn't exhibit powers so that when she was like a teenager or, you know, heck, even a child who knows when the Speed Force powers would have manifested in her, uh, that she didn't become a target for Cicada. Okay, that way
2: that makes way more sense than well, I mean, mine makes sense, too. But that that makes like TV sense. Like that, that directly ties into the plot lines that are going on this season. Yeah. I, so, so what I was going to say is that perhaps it, her powers manifested when she was very young. And so, you know, I mean, like if you have a toddler that has, you know, access to the speed force, uh, Well, that's what I'm saying. And, And you're parenting without a, you know, and Barry at this point is gone. So you have a non speedster, uh, parenting, a speedster toddler or something of that nature. Like that's. You know y- you may need to do the inhibitor chip at least for a couple of years, and then perhaps the argument I was gonna make is that uh Iris while had good intentions and maybe did it for the right reasons early on um she decided she made the decision for Nora in a way that she probably shouldn't have, especially as Nora started entering into adolescence and uh in adulthood and so at some point i would I would argue. And I mean we might get reveals otherwise but even with what you said Bell I think at some point Iris goes from making a valid decision and being kind of on the right side of the argument to probably ending up drifting to the wrong side of the argument she probably should have told Nora and I can't imagine a scenario although we may see one that would justify Iris not informing Nora of you know her her speed of her connection to the speed force the fact that she's a speedster um, especially because she's like in her, what? She's like in her 20s, right? I, I think the
3: actress is in her early 30s. But yeah,
2: but I think the character's in her 20s. I, I mean, I, I
3: think so. I could be uh, wrong on that. We, we got to look at the dates and kind of do some math there. But uh, uh, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> but yes, no, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think at the start, you know, her, her uh, motivations for doing it were noble. And there came a point in time where Iris... Decided not to tell her that when she was old enough to to know, and or, or maybe it was a situation where I was going to wait until you know her sixteenth birthday or her eighteenth birthday to let her know these things, and maybe she found out about them. Oh no, because she only found out six months later, so never mind. That doesn't make, that that doesn't work. <laughs> well, uh, or six months ago, rather.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll 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 talk about that here in a in a little bit. Um, but but all right. So we got this in this episode. We got a a new villain uh, spin who um, is essentially, you know, she's kind of the anti-Iris, right? Like, she is out there, she's reporting, but she's doing so in a very um, less than moralistic way. She's not really uh, reporting the news so much as she is actually creating the news so that she can then go in and, and be the first to report on it. Uh, she obviously does not have the journalistic standards that Iris has, but she is, uh, as, as you know, uh, she's, she's a pretty girl, and... Um, and immediately, when going in for the undercover, you know, is she or is she not a
3: meta mission? Nora gets a little; she gets a little smitten. <laughs> yes, yes, she does. And I, uh, it, the the greatest thing to that to me was Iris's reaction. It wasn't like
2: Barry, Barry's like, "Wait, what's going on?" Iris is like, she's flirting with her. <laughs> like, I'm, gonna, yeah. get, I'm jumping
3: in. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it wasn't like you know the the. Uh, the angry at the situation wasn't because she's like mad that she's flirting it was like you're not doing the job that you're supposed to do because you're you know you're flirting or whatever it's it, it was just a it was a great way to uh, for her to react to that I thought
2: no but like you know there is kind of a, an added layer here right because obviously they've got the tension between the two of them uh, but on top of that not only has has um Nora been dealing with all this Uh, I mean, like she's been she's been throwing some shade at Iris. Even at the beginning of the episode, she's like, "Oh, it's like a website. It's like yours, but it's way better." Like even even Cecile and Caitlin are kind of giving each other the eye. Like, what did she just say? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so that that exists. And so on top of that, not only is this kind of Iris's nemesis, but now she's she's starting to kind of you know get get. I would say that Nora did not necessarily hit on her. Right? Like she she has no game from that standpoint. She was just kind of starstruck.
3: Oh, yeah. She, yeah. yeah. At first, I thought that was the uh, the route they were going, is that she starts starstruck because just like she was around, you know, her dad, around Caitlin, uh, you know, when she was traveling back last season. Um, and I, I thought that's maybe what it was. But then it turned out it was a little bit more than that. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> well, let me just so, say
2: now that we've got a little bit more kind of uh, a reveal and, and learn a little bit more about who I, uh, who Nora is, rather. Uh, Bell, y- you tell Star- Sarah Lance to stay away. Okay. Well, you know, we won't have to worry
3: about that because the legends won't be in the crossover. So,
0: okay, good,
2: good. Because I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, every single time a, a new character that's a lesbian comes in contact with Sarah Lance, she's like, oh, another notch to my belt. I'm like, no,
3: no, not Barry and Iris's daughter. No, Sarah. No. <laughs> that, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh man, there could be like a you know Sarah Angle in there, and I was like, crap, they're not going to be in the crossover. Never mind.
2: No, no, man. Sarah stays away from Barry and
3: Iris's daughter. You do not break her heart, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, well, Sarah's in a relationship now with Ava, so it doesn't really matter.
2: I don't know. I I don't put it past Sarah, man, she she gets, hey she gets around all throughout the timeline. Everybody knows it. It's in the <laughs> history books. It's in the history books. <laughs> all right, we also got a uh, explanation for uh, Spin. I will say, man, overall, Spin I, I found to be a very meh kind of villain. Like like she was. I, I, I don't know. I, I never really kind of connected with her as a serious threat, even in the midst of the throwdown, which of course was a great nod to the Eobard Thawne versus Barry uh, fight from season one, the, the first flash versus reverse flash fight. But yeah, I, I just, I, I couldn't really kind of get behind her. I didn't find her motivations to be all that interesting. But one thing I think that is somewhat interesting is this idea of meta tech. Now, Bell, what, what do you think about meta tech?
3: I the, thought it was lame. Is it the new OMG, OMG technology? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the new OMG science, and I thought it was kind of lame. I was like, oh, meta tech, like meta humans was all about genetics, and now it, it's was it a genetically like a like a you know genetic processor, some kind of like tissue brain processor? I don't know. Uh, it just, <laughs> it just it was just like so. I I get I get this. I get this. Uh, Let's say you know they were saying that uh, uh, Cicada perhaps got his powers by uh, being hit by one of those pieces, and that pieces gave him powers. That makes sense because you know the genetic material, the dark matter, whatever can like affect that. But like the dark matter giving a cell phone powers, eh, I I I wasn't on board.
2: All right, so I will say that I, I I think that this opens up a lot of fun potential for various stories and to create artifacts that can be really cool in, in how they may or may not be used throughout various stories. It is a little bit like introducing magic into the equation, which magic already exists, but this is the idea of like, oh, it's magic, but we can kind of come up with an OMG science explanation for the magic, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's essentially what they've done. They've created magical items.
3: Yes. Yes. They've created magic items that they can throw technical bogus terms at, to plot it away. Right.
2: Well, I mean, like, okay, so think about, think about Thor. Think about the, the first Thor film. Uh, the idea that Mjolnir, uh, meow. Meow meow. meow, uh, meow, meow. <laughs> you know, uh, Thor was very explicit about saying like, look, you know, you, 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 people used to call it magic. Now you call it science. This idea that there is a quote unquote scientific explanation as to why meow, meow always comes back to Thor, right? Like, that that was the mindset. However, skip ahead to Ragnarok, and I think they've gone just full-blown magic. We don't have to explain it.
3: Well, with Doctor Strange, they kind of actually introduced, quote, real magic into the Marvel universe. So, yeah. But even um, even
2: in Doctor Strange, they're they're kind of arguing, I think, well, Feige, and I mean, not to get too Marvel in our DC podcast here, but I, I think Marvel's kind of argued that even with Doctor Strange, they're exploring a, quote, unquote, OMG science explanation for magic. The idea of pulling from the multiverse, there is kind of a scientific-esque explanation for it. It's not just literally we're pulling rabbits out of thin air, it's there's pocket dimensions and all these other things at play.
3: Sure, which I think will get unified uh, by like Ant-Man's microverse and all that kind of stuff. All
2: right, well, here's my main thing. I think its I do think that there is a cool factor here, but I hope that we don't... It doesn't become like a it's Meditech. We don't have to explain it. I'm hoping that Cisco at least starts an explanation for when these things happen. And then somebody comes in like, ah, you just call it Meditech and we'll move on. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. Right. At the end of the day, we just need to know, like, okay, this is what this thing does. Whatever the explanation for it is, some of us find that fun. But the most rest of us just want to see, you know, the flash beat at the bad guys and save the day.
3: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yes. You know, Cisco was vacant this episode because I feel like he'd have some kind of remark about Meta tech. <laughs> Like, who, who did
2: this? Who did this? so? MetaTech versus Cisco Tech, man. Like, it's it's a whole it'll it'll be a whole new thing.
3: Yeah, and, and for that matter, like you know the the bracers and the vibe goggles that that is that not metatech' because Meta made it. Oh,
2: all right. So I've I've always referred to that as um um what it was Super Tech. I, I used to have a a word that I would use for that kind of thing,
3: but um. Like whether Wizard's wand, you know. I I mean mean, Captain Colts Cold Gun, not necessarily because he's not a meta, but
2: yeah, that's a good question. Is technology created by a meta or to be used in conjunction with meta powers, is that not also
3: meta tech? That's a good question, Bell. Hashtag. Is that not also meta tech? Wait, (laughs) yes. Worst hashtag ever.
2: Sherlock, man. I'm gonna continue to call him Sherlock, even though it's Sherlock. Cause, 'cause Sherlock rolls off the tongue a little bit better. He is if uh, he will keep correcting you. He is getting on his detectiveness with all the detective y things. Uh, he has teamed up with Baby Giraffe to go and look into who is uh, Cicada. Now, Belle, before we talk about the Sherlock Baby Giraffe and all, all their their fun adventures, this is what I was referring to earlier in terms of like the story structure and the approach they took this episode. Normally, the A plot, the main plot, has to do with kind of the big villain or whatever that season arc type situation is. And the B plot ends up being more of a kind of character study or an emotional dig or, or laying the groundwork for something more long term. Here, they really flipped the script. The A plot was very much more character driven uh, and it was much more emotional dri- emotion driven because it was the the family dynamics between Barry, Iris and Nora and what was going on there with the B plot actually doing some diff- deeper dive into who the big villain is, and I think it worked really well. On top of that, I was a little worried going into the season that we'd have too many detectives, there'd be too many cooks in the kitchen, if you will. <laughs> but it actually works really well because with with both of these guys, they actually with with Sherlock and Baby Giraffe, which is just what I'm going to call him now. Uh, if when he's elongated man, I'll call him elongated man. The rest of the time, I'm just going to call him Baby Giraffe. With... with When they're together, they actually make kind of an interestingly good team because Baby Giraffe has some understanding of the way that our world works, whereas Sherlock is kind of a quote-unquote mature, uh, confident, um, he's good at his job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. His only problem is that he dismisses the minor, whereas Baby Giraffe knows to to look into the minor. And I think they each kind of bring something out of each other. I actually enjoy Baby Giraffe a lot more this episode than I have. I, like, he's growing on me, man. I, I I I like Baby Giraffe. I'll go ahead and say it right you, now. Yeah. New season, new Ralph. I told you. Hashtag it. I don't know who that is, but Baby Giraffe is amazing. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, they they do a really good job with this episode. I agree. and I I hope this is kind of the route that they go because you do have this interesting family dynamic uh, with Iris, Barry and Nora. And I don't know if you could really explore those characters in the same way that you could if they were going out and trying to find stuff about Cicada. I think that might get in the way of that. Yes. And so it's really nice to see these two characters, Sherlock and uh, Baby Giraffe, go and do that kind of research because it's it's. A, it's nice to finally see detective work on a show about a CSI who turns into a, yes. a, a superhero. Yes, <laughs> even, even if it's not said
2: CSI who's doing the detective work, it still it still feels good to see that.
3: Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and yeah, it's just nice to see them doing that, and it's uh, it's it's interesting to kind of you know because it gives Ralph a chance to sort of develop outside of his last season persona mm. and really because uh, if barry is not going to be doing detective work then let, at least let ralph do it yeah no that's good and so yeah I, i'm really happy for that and i think it's going to be really really neat to to follow uh sherlock and ralph down this let's find the bad like the main season bad guy path and then let barry nora and iris kind of work their family drama issues out with the Freak of the Week sort of thing. That's good. I I think that what
2: we might see in terms of between now and mid-season is as uh, Sherlock and Baby Giraffe and all else, all the rest of Team Flash and and Team Flash as a whole, as they get closer to discovering who Cicada is, once that mystery is solved, I think Caitlin is going to put Sherlock on finding her father. Like I think that we're going to see his priorities shift as we learn who Cicada is. And once we learn who Cicada is, Team Flash goes into how we defeat him while Sherlock goes off and finds uh, who Caitlin's father is. I believe, and I could be wrong, Bell, but I believe that it's been stated that they want to try to do what a lot of people have kind of wanted to see, not just them, but kind of TV as a whole do. And that's kind of tell two stories within one season Maybe wrap up the cicada story in the first half of the season and then go into Icicle Senior in the second half of the season. You know what I mean? So basically, have two big bads for the season, just one at the first half and one at the second half.
3: See, that could be interesting because, you know, I, I've said this for a long time, but 23 episodes is a lot of time to fill. Uh, and yes. so, stretching these big bads out for that long means you're going to have a lot of filler. You're going to have a lot of things that just aren't relevant. And, and it it just makes a lot of sense to split it up into two separate stories. You know, you have a mid season hiatus, uh, you have a mid season cliffhanger. Why not have that be instead of being a, you know, mid season cliffhanger thing, have that be a resolution for that part of the story and then finish the other story on the other half. Uh, and that way you're not flooding the season with, uh, just filler episodes and things that just don't really aren't aren't as good. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm down with that, that idea. I like it a lot. Um, you know, I like that we started off this episode with baseball
2: because uh, Caitlin and Cisco are basically on the bench this episode. They're they're holding that bench down, man. If uh, hey <laughs> if, if they don't sit there, that bench is just going to fly away. It's an important job. So well, uh, someone's got to keep it warm. That's right. That's right. Someone in, in or cold, as the case may be. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we also speaking of uh, holding the bench down by sitting down, Joe continues to sit. No, he stood this episode. Did he? Okay. I thought, I thought about it after the fact, because at the very end, when Nora comes to stay with her grandfather, like I, I, he was sitting during that scene, but then I realized that there was a scene earlier, but admittedly I was, um, uh, fixing some Halloween costumes while trying to play catch up.
3: While watching <laughs> that one. Uh, Nora- yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, at CCPD, Joe came in when Nora and Barry are interviewing, uh, the cop. And he's standing up and he's OK. Yeah. All right. So he is standing. up. All right. So, so I, my jaw hit the floor. I'm just I'm just going to say I was like Papa Joe's standing. Biggest, what is
2: going on? Biggest reveal of the season. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Joe can stand
3: <laughs> at least for one scene. Well, uh, I was worried right there for a second. Like what if there's something wrong and he's and not publicizing it. And so they just have him all sit down. And so but apparently he can stand. So everything's fine. I feel
2: fine. like they would have addressed it. it. It just may have been a coincidence, but we'll, we'll see what continues to happen. Uh, man, we also, um, you know, as as was kind of revealed as part of the the Nora storyline, not only was the inhibitor, um, you know, put upon her by Iris, not only was this a situation that she um, uh, most very recently learned about, but it wasn't from Iris that told her. There was somebody else that told her very recently. Now, this reveals a couple things to us. For one thing, it reveals to us kind of why excess is not as advanced in her powers as she theoretically should be. I mean, you know, we kind of hypothesized that perhaps it was because Barry was not involved in her growing up, so she didn't have a speedster to teach her. Uh, However, no, that's not the case. She only just recently found her speedster powers. She only recently got access to the speed force. But it wasn't Iris who told her about it. So that's going to bring us to this week's
1: Speedster Speculation.
2: Belle, who told Nora about her powers.
0: Hmm.
2: You just want to say it's Eobard Thawne and call it a night. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> come on, that's who it is, right? <laughs> 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 but, but, all right, all right, let let, let, let me challenge this a little bit because I did I did think, all right, it seems to me that that this season has been leaning towards Eobard. We saw his costume at the beginning of the season. We saw. Uh, the his his apparatus Uh, earlier than that this episode was a throwback to the reverse flash versus flash fight you know Eobard is felt even though he is not visually seen or audibly heard that being said uh let's let's put him to the side for a moment if not Eobard then who who could have told Nora about her powers Jay um. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. So you think Jay might
3: have been kind of uh, involved, or, or still alive at that point? I mean, maybe. Well, maybe. See, I, I don't know because I'm trying to think of like a situation where I I could see something where maybe another speedster comes from another Earth and it's like we need Barry's help and like Barry's gone. And it's like, well, what about his daughter? And she's like, I'm not a speedster. And they're like, "Search your feelings, Nora. You know it to be true." <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. Like it, it's, I think Eobard would make a lot of sense. Yeah. I really do.
2: I mean, it's it's really hard. It's the only other person I can think of is possibly Abracadabra.
3: Because yeah. he's from the future.
2: We've seen him meddling. Uh, it's possible, like, you know, in terms of villains from a future, because you got to remember, Eobard is not from her time at line in the future. Theoretically speaking... You know, it would be an Eobard from earlier in his personal timeline going to that point in time. Or, as I believe, it's our Eobard who has found his way into that future uh, and is, you know, utilizing, um, uh, basically working to ensure that that his bloodline gets restored. I, I think that's what's going on. I think... He is trying to adjust things in the present to secure the future in which he exists. Several, several years, decades, uh, hundreds, hundreds of years past, even even Nora. So he's working to to secure the timeline. That's that's my thought.
3: Yeah, I I, I I could really see that, and I'm super curious as to who it would be. But I mean, that just makes the most sense. Uh, other speedsters, like I think Jay might not be alive at that point. Hmm. Um. I mean, there's, there's, uh, that's a good,
2: I hadn't thought about speedsters because obviously speedsters have the option of traveling through time. So theoretically speaking, it could be a speedster who, who jumped to the future to tell Jesse her quick, going. Jesse. Hmm. Yeah, maybe Jesse. That, that's a possibility. Maybe Wally could be Wally. Interesting. Actually that Wally would not have intervened. But again, if, if it was, if the inhibitor was put in at a young age, Iris might have kept even the fact that she was a speedster, a secret from Wally.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would think that when, the, maybe when the flash disappeared, um, Wally comes back to try to help. And, or uh, Wally could have disappeared with him. Or maybe Wally disappeared with him. Or died before that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking if Wally comes back and he's like, oh, Barry's gone. Well, let's, me and XS are going to now, or me, me and Nora, because she wouldn't be XS at that point, are going to go and, you know, take his place and she's like iris would be like no you're not going to do that i put the inhibitor in her and maybe then that's when the beans are spilled uh because she comes she says she gets her powers like six months ago or that's when she found out about him yeah um and we know that wally went off on his crusade through time
2: well all right hold off though here's the thing she when she sees wally upon the beginning of the season she she oh, that's addresses the first time him, right well she addresses him as uncle wally like she know she she has a She, she knows who he is. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I mean, it's possible that she just kind of, you know, figured out, Oh, um, based on everybody in the room that I I know are, you know, based on your picture in the flash museum or something like that, you know, there's that. But I I think, I think Wally is probably alive and that he's just unaware of the fact that she's a speedster, like Iris, future Iris has been keeping that from everybody. Potentially. That's my thought. What I mean, so, so, but, but let's be real. It's Eobard, that, that's pulling this. Not, not. It's, it's, I don't think he's pulling her strings, but I think he's, I think he's manipulating her.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Do you think? Um, do you think she knows it's Eobard? That's the big question, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's at the fact that it's Eobard seems seems right to me, but I don't know if she knows who it is. Because I really. Doubt with her extensive knowledge of the Flash and of his villains that she would take things that he said at face value and wouldn't be skeptical about them or, uh, you know, have reservations about being manipulated by him. You know, Mm. it's it's she knows that that's Barry's greatest villain. And so it'd be one thing for her to, you know, to, to listen to him and then get the powers. But it'd be another thing if it was him manipulating her behind the scenes and she not knowing that it was him. Because I, th- I feel like if she knew it was Eobard, she would stay away from him and not listen to anything he had to say.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But unless Eobard was like, hey, guess what? You got superpowers and your mom lied to you. So what else did they lie to you about?
3: Yeah, the whole that would be a, a, a search your feelings kind of thing. The big bad turns out to be the guy who tells you things that your mom hid from you.
2: Remember when she saw HR and Caitlin? like last season she was very cold to them. Yeah. And yeah. And you know as compared to like when she saw Cisco or Barry, like she was very like bubbly about that. But when she saw HR and Caitlin, both who theoretically have the face of villains in her future. Like Caitlin will probably go off the deep end at some point in the future to the point where she will be more known as a villain than a hero. And Pr- HR having the face of of a Harrison Wells and Eobard liking to take the faces of Harrison Wells, um, she could be reacting in a negative way because because she already has that. She she doesn't associate Eobard as his blonder original counterpart. She more associates Eobard in a Harrison Wells-like
3: face. I feel like that's something that they might retcon. Like, just it's going to be the uh, Matt Lesnar representation is going to be kind of phased out, and we're always going to go towards the Tom Cavanaugh Eobard. I think that's. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. Like, I, I don't necessarily do either because I think I think Tom Cavanaugh's performance as Eobard was stellar. As Not was to say Matt. anything bad about Matt. Yeah, but Matt
2: Matt did a great job with it as well. I mean, they both had their kind of different takes, and they were from different points of the timeline, and they certainly I
3: loved him on Legends. Yeah, they he served was great different on Pers- Here's
2: the other benefit, Bell. Like by by having two representations of Eobard it gives us a definitive point in his timeline
3: that is true that is very true
2: so whenever we see a a wells-faced Eobard we know that we're dealing with an Eobard that is up to speed if you will versus the matte faced Eobard or the blonde Eobard Eoblond the original Eobard <laughs> when we that, yeah when, <laughs> when it's clear that he's more kind of earlier in his personal timeline so it it actually it, it yields a better result if we maintain Harrison Wells faced Eobard for the foreseeable future when dealing with a present version of the character.
3: I think so too. I think that makes sense to me, especially like on Legends. Uh, and, you know, if we want to have Eobard come back, get Matt to do it, and if we want Eobard to come back on Flash, get uh, Tom to do it.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I just here's my thing. There they are they created so much of a unique situation in the way that they eradicated Eobard in season one and the way that they didn't quite reloop things the way that theoretically they should with Flashpoint and with the way that Legends dealt with Eobard that I'm going to need a really good, very well thought out and create new science around it, create new speed force logic, whatever it is, But don't meta tech this like give us a really good explanation as to why Eobard currently exists, how he was able to get to Earth X and what he's doing now. And I believe I believe that his his end game is to restore his existence. And I just I need I need that to be the case. I need for there to be a logical reason, quote unquote, logical reason for him to still exist. By the end yeah. of this, by by the end of this or next season, whenever he comes back into play,
3: should we just rename this podcast to Eobard TV Talk? It's, it's Reverse Flash TV Talk <laughs> is what it is. Like, reverse Flash TV Talk. It always has been, man. It always has been. Until he comes back, there there will always be at least two or three mentions of Eobard in uh, every speedster speculation, if not in other segments. That's right.
0: This is John Wesley Ship, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk.
1: Red and yellow, red and yellow, red and yellow, red and
2: yellow. Oh, yellow. All right, man, we got some uh, listener feedback this episode. Now, uh, normally we, we try to do a deeper dive, but this kind of falling on not just a holiday week, but on a holiday, uh, things are a little bit snappier this episode. And so um, hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully I will... Forgive us, but we we do uh, let's see Jamie Hill actually in the live chat right now says, uh, I really enjoy it. I really enjoyed this episode. hate, we have to wait two weeks for the next show. yeah, those those additional week breaks are always rough. Uh, michael says jesse uh, Jesse Martin's going on medical leave due to a back injury. okay, so there we go. we've got some
3: we got some confirmation is that is that true? like that's crazy i I'd assume there's something wrong because he's always sitting down and then there's this one episode where he's standing up and I was like, oh well maybe Maybe there's just some weird coincidence, but they paid him double. I, they I, paid him double to stand up, or maybe it was a double. Maybe it was maybe, a bond Maybe yeah, They just digitized his face.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> like half the half the special effects budget. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's
2: like oh, the the Grodd, uh, Grodd shark uh, grad king shark fight it was going to be amazing, but we got to get we got to get Jesse L. Martin's face on this dude that's standing up. So. <laughs> You know, trade-offs. We, yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's the way way the, uh, the things fell down. We also, met. we had an iTunes review as well. What what the iTunes review have to say?
3: Uh, used to only care about Marvel. These guys are awesome. Uh, very insightful comic knowledge and interesting theories. I really enjoyed speech or Speculation segments and look forward to hearing their thoughts after every show. Keep up the awesome work, guys. Well, uh, thank you very much. We appreciate that. We, we definitely like to speculate, so... <laughs> oh, yeah a lot more speculation where that came from. Yeah,
2: I mean, like, to take a shot every time that we speculate that the reverse flash is involved and you'll be drunk before we even get to the end of listener feedback.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's very true.
2: Oh, man. Well, uh, man, great episode overall. This season, honestly, has just been killing it every single episode. I think, you know, the way that they approached this episode in particular with putting the, you know, the main villain a little bit more, that story a little bit more into the, the background actually helps the series overall because... So far, Cicada is a good, frightening, serial killer-esque villain, but he does not appear to have any kind of world domination-type scheme that means that we've got to fight off the apocalypse. And so it it makes it better. It makes the character moments all the more enjoyable and and all the more important because they can take the uh, the front and center. And I think it worked well this episode. I think it's working well this season as a whole. And uh, yeah, I, I'm bummed as well that we will be uh, off next week from Flash TV Talk. But don't worry you won't be off dear listener because next week we have an episode of panel to screen heading your way, uh, our venom review, which is very, very late. But for those that have not seen the, uh, the venom movie, uh, instead of flash TV talk next week, we will have a venom review for you to enjoy. Now, for those of you supporting this podcast on Patreon, uh, a, thank you so much for doing that. B, don't worry. You're only uh, supporting episodes of Flash TV Talk. So anything from panel to screen is purely bonus on you. And uh, by the way, if you are not currently helping out this show by supporting us on Patreon, please, please, please consider doing that. Head over to patreon.com slash TV Talk. And uh, you too can help make sure this podcast comes to you every single week. There's an episode of The Flash without fail. If not for you, I, I mean this sincerely, there would be no us. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, also, you can keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us at Flash TV Talk or our personal accounts. I'm at The Real Bo York, and bell is at Ring That Bell.
3: But if 280 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And don't
2: forget to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash flash TV talk, where we are now broadcasting live on the Wednesdays after every single episode of the flash. It's so great to have the chat going to see uh, all that feedback coming in and just, it's kind of cool to, to, to get hyped with y'all. So, uh, so yeah. So again, check that out. Facebook.com slash flash TV talk
3: and as always special thanks to Charlie Bach who provides our awesome music uh, you can listen to the rest of his stuff at soundcloud.com slash Bach. absolutely and uh, big shout out to the other DC TV talk shows that are out there
2: Supergirl TV talk Starkville House of Uh you've also got some great ones with Legends TV talk and even beyond that the TV talk family goes beyond DC even with Tolkien TV talk Star Wars TV talk if it's got TV talk in front of or behind it then you know there's probably some connection to us or at least there should be if not You call me, uh, or we'll not sue, but we'll we'll have a chat. (laughs) Yeah, well, man, that's gonna do it for us for this week. Until next time, guys and gals, we'll be back in a flash.